Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, another episode of The Fry Show with me, Robbie J. Fry. A lot of writers have said this, if you can't, if you're not a reader, you're not a writer, you know, because you also learn, you absorb craft, you, uh, and also you have to have a love for it. If you don't have a love for the medium, find the medium you have a love for, because that's what keeps you going through the rejections of what it doesn't do well, right? You're doing it for the love of it. And... For me, it was always books. The medium was was books, and that's why I followed that. Yeah, so I was writing, but I was a un, I was not a successful writer. I was just a writer collecting rejection letters. You learn craft by two ways: one by studying, two by doing. Right. So you have to do both. There's no there's a substitute for either. That's the secret. You know. So for me, I read the authors I fell in love with again and again and again, and then I wrote shitty drafts. Often we're so alone in our journey and our heads. We walk around, often walk around with a monkey inside our head, just banging on drums, you know? It's sometimes nice to just hear the validation from out there, you know, we're humans. Just to tell someone, hey, I really like what you did. You know, thanks for doing it. And I love great conversation. A great conversation with the right person can change your life, literally change your life. Tim Ferriss and I were talking about this. We were joking about how he likes to research. Like if he wants to do something, he likes to really research it and really, you know, learn it and understand everything and then do it. Me, I'm like, okay, and I jump off the cliff. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let me try it. Let me figure it out. That's my personality. I've done some very stupid things along the way doing that, but I've also done some very remarkable things because of that. I, it was one night I decided, like, I mean, I'm going to get out of this or die trying. Like, I don't want to live like this. This being in my head, being this miserable in my head. It was a culmination of a lot. All just happened, right? And from there, was I sat down and I wrote this vow to myself, and I don't know where it came from. And I still will never know. It just came from some very place deep within me, which is how I know it's pure. And I thought I would write a vow to like, I don't know, get out of this or whatever. Instead, what came out was a vow to love myself, which is not a word I was thinking of at the time. The, the alchemist, you know, you, it's alchemy. You, you, you change as well. Every time I write a book, I'm a better, I'm better me. It's almost like there's a, there's a connection we have to life itself that we're just wired in. We're just wired in and it's our inside that, that affects it. Normally, when I start these podcasts, I start with something like Jovenes Amigos Mios, but this podcast is not in Spanish, it is in English, because my guest is Kamal Ravikant. Kamal is a best-selling author, serial tech entrepreneur, and managing partner at Evolve VC, an early-stage venture capital fund. Harper One recently re-released his bestseller, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It, which Please, after listening to this podcast, if you enjoy it, download it, and better yet, buy the book and the audio book, because Kamal has one of the best voices you will listen to. It's next level. It just takes the, takes the text and the meaning to a, to a different perspective. His first novel, Rebirth, also incredible, and Renacer in Spanish, was published by Hatchet Books in January 2017. Besides being an extraordinary human being, Kamal has served as an infantry soldier in the United States Army, hiked the Camino de Santiago in España, and traveled to Nepal to study meditation with bone Buddhist monks. You can find him at Twitter at arroba, <laughs> sorry, Kamal Ravikant. That's K-A-M-A, okay, shit. That's K-A-M-A-L-R-A-V-I. K-A-N-T. In 2017, I listened to a podcast about a person walking a series of pilgrimages 
known as the Camino de Santiago. And the funny thing is, is I remember this story vividly. Why? Because in the words of the great American novelist, Harry Cruz, the good shit sticks. You just remember certain stories. You remember the essence. You remember how you felt. You remember where you were walking, if you were driving. And this is one of those stories. This story unfolds between podcast host James Altucher, which I highly recommend if you want to listen to a great podcast, and his guest and remarkable friend, Kamal Ravakant. Thus, when this opportunity to record a podcast with Kamal presented itself, I felt like I just won the podcast lottery. Not only was it a chance to learn from this champion storyteller, but a window into a style of thinking and, of course, mental models that I have yet to explore. In this podcast, we discussed the craft of writing, a lot about death, war, Shakespeare, walking, my dad, pain, what it means to love yourself, and a lot more. And we speak in this podcast a lot about, the, about craft, about building something, dedicating, failing. And to give you a little bit of context, and maybe I'm looking for something that's not there, but my father's phenomenal at the craft of helping war veterans. I mean, he's dedicated his life to do that, and he is exceptional at it. There's no one better, I believe, in many senses than him. And my mother is a phenomenal artist. So they both have these special crafts which they've dedicated a lifetime to. And of course, for the people who listen in English who don't have the who don't listen to the podcast in Spanish, a majority of my podcast guests have painfully earned but thoughtfully executed the ability to develop successful startups. There are people that are conquering Latin America, building these incredible businesses that are helping thousands and millions of people. Kamal, however, has dedicated years to develop the craft of writing. However, he has another ability that I believe goes unrecognized in society, and it's something that I, I'm starting to understand now after a long, long time. He's a master at being alive. He's skilled at being a human being. I know that sounds strange, but I do believe that being a human being is the hardest thing that could, you could ever possibly do. And if you can be skilled or build the abilities, the habits, whatever, at being a human being that the rest of life or the way you connect and you wire into life is much easier. And of course, this conversation with Kamal is a gift because after 150 episodes in Spanish, <laughs> my mom and dad can now finally listen to their son. They can finally hear what I've been doing for the last four years, but with something that they can actually connect to emotionally. It's euphoric to say the least. Finally, before we start this episode, to my parents, Kamal, my friends, and my audience, you can always make more money, but you can't make any more time. And so thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Please, 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 if you enjoy it, go to Amazon, search for Kamal Ravakant. Chiaka has books guaranteed to... Um, Make your day or your life better, I believe, if you read one of them, especially after listening to him. So, or just send him a message on Twitter telling him, thanks for, the, thanks for this podcast, thanks for the conversation. Listen to his other conversations and improve your life or change your perspective by listening to beautiful people like Kamal. Before we start, if you're interested, you can find me at, at Robbie J. Fry, R-O-B-B-I-E-J-F-R-Y-E. And almost all of social networks, Instagram, Strava, LinkedIn, and Twitter. 
send me a message if you like this podcast and you want more podcasts in English. Please also, if you have a chance, leave a review in iTunes or in Spotify. Subscribe to the podcast. Share this podcast with as many human beings as possible. Aunts, uncles, brother-in-laws, sister-in-laws, third, fourth, fifth, sixth cousins, twice removed. You know what I'm saying. And uh, yeah, and more importantly than anything, money. Yes, of course, in one sense or the other. If you would like to buy me a virtual coffee, you can find that in the link at this page, The Fry Show, or you can go to Buy Me a Coffee, Robbie J. Fry, and all that money goes right back into the podcast to pay for the, the cost of running this show. That's it. Now let's start the show. With that being said, bonus episode. The episode is called The Alchemy of To Be with the best-selling author, an incredible human being, Kamal Ravikant. Kamal, hey, first, you can always make more money, you can't make more time. Uh, truthfully, it's an honor to be sitting here with you. This is the first one I've ever done in English. Really? Uh, yeah. And so I'm excited that my my dad, my mom, other people will actually be able to hear. They're like, hey, can I hear your podcast? <laughs> and I said, probably not. So this is the, it'll be nice. And then for them to be able to hear the first one with someone like you is, is uh, wow. really special. Wow, gracias. Uh, you don't <laughs> see the practica mi español, pero mi inglés es más mejor. Entonces, no, no. <laughs> Excelente. <laughs> and I never get a chance to practice mine either. And I have a lot of people that say, hey, put one on in English. So for the people listening, there's a thousand podcasts of you around, all wonderful. Um, the first one I heard is when, I, when you guys reached out was with James Altucher. And I remember your story when I think it was episode 200 or something, when I was listening to it, when they asked me, hey, do you know, of course I know who Kamal is. I listened to that podcast about your trip um, through Spain, about your dad. And, I, and there was, the good shit sticks. And I remember that story. So I was like, of course I want to do the podcast. So please, for the people listening, tell me, give me the timeline, your dad, medical school, military. Oh, jeez. Oh, Just the quick tell one and then we can life. jump in and out. <laughs> Okay, so uh, I was born in India. Uh, my parents moved to the U.S. when I was a little kid. So I grew up in America. I'm American. And um, my, most of my, you know, my, my parents separated when I was a little kid. And my dad was an abusive guy. My mom left my, my dad for what my age? brother and myself. Gosh, it was like nine maybe? Nine or maybe younger? You know, I, I, all that stuff I've kind of like at this point, I've either written about it or I've kind of like made it hazy in my head, if that makes any sense. Um, and uh, so I grew up and, you know, we grew up with no money, um, practically on the streets at one point. And, uh, and then when I graduated high school, I went to college for a year and I dropped out joined the U.S. Army. I was an infantry soldier in the 10th Mountain Division. So I was taught to fight in mountains. Um, so it's a great experience for an 18 year old to go in and just, uh, you know, be in the military and left that. But I also realized, also learned, I like to think for myself and I like to question, ask questions in the military. <laughs> they don't like it when you ask questions. They do not, they say they do, but they do not, they do not like it. And, and I was like, okay, it's time to go to college. So I left. I haven't heard that piece went, yet. Okay. <laughs> it's, man, when you like to like, they, no, they don't want you to ask. They want you to say, yes, sir. They don't want you to say, but sir, what about, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, um, and then I went to college and I almost went to med school. Um, but instead of, instead of that, I ended up, um, 
almost went to med school. And then at one point, I ended up traveling for eight months, backpacking across Europe and Asia after my dad died. And part of that, I ended up walking the Camino de Santiago in Spain, uh, which is what my, my novel, Rebirth, is. Uh, but, uh, ten, this is this? That, that was how I learned Spanish. <laughs> but uh, ocho siete <laughs> really? kilometers. So, yeah, I, didn't, you know, I landed Spain. I didn't know the language. And at first, you point and grunt at things if you want to eat. And the Spain is actually in Europe, is, as far as modern goes, Spain is one of the least modern countries in Europe. So when you walk in the Camino de Santiago, you enter villages that haven't changed since the 14th century. You know, like um, I would say a lot of Latin America is more modern than, than most of Spain. You know, at least in my travels, I've seen. And, and um, so you're dealing with people who do not speak English, right, at, at all, don't even know a word. And you have to eat. You have to find a place to sleep. You have to make friends. So, like, I just learned by pointing and grunting and then putting words together and so forth. And by 36 days, I could actually have an okay conversation in Spanish. And so I walked the Camino de Santiago. And then after that, I, I started got into writing. So I realized writing was my thing, was what I was put on this earth for. What year was the, was the walk? The walk I, I did in my 20s. Um, I wrote the book much later. Um, the book is a, is a novel based on that experience, but it's not that experience. And I started writing books and then I moved up to Silicon Valley and I started building, uh, the dot-com boom was happening and I joined startups and started building startups. And, and it was just an amazing experience, amazing education because we were building the future. And, um, and at the time, while everybody at night would be going to bars or whatever, or on the weekends would be out, I would be studying Hemingway, the greats, the right. I would just find the great writers and just study them obsessively because I wanted to write. I wanted to learn the craft of writing so I could write great books. I want to, can you go into detail real quick there? How would you study like at night where you look at the, would you see what clicked in your head? What was Basically, your process for I would study, trying to I would build obsess- a craft? That's a great question. Um, you learn the two uh, craft, you learn craft by two ways, one by studying, two by doing, right? So you have to do both. There's no, there's a substitute for either. So I would obsessively read, like, for example, For Whom the Bell Tolls, you know, which takes place in Spain, right? And it's a masterpiece. I remember when I finished, I couldn't believe a human being wrote it. It's a masterpiece that takes place in two days. And it's thick book. And it says such, so much, it takes place during the Spanish Civil War. And it's about humanity. It's about love. And it's about, it's so much in, in one story. And I, and, um, so I would take books like that and I would read them and reread them and reread them first to just get the feel for it. But then I would start looking at how does, what does he do with sentences? What does he do with paragraphs? There's a feel to a comma. Why does a comma, what is, you know, he had a rhythm. Like writing is music. It has rhythm to it. You start to develop a rhythm. And then, of course, I would write. I would write stories. I, was, I would write novels and I would send them to publishers that would get rejection letters. And I would get depressed for two months. Then I get up and I would say, okay, I'm going to now, <laughs> yes, now I'm gonna okay. work to be a better writer and send a better draft. And a year later, they would get a better draft. And I would get better rejection letters. And I would continue on. But there's – wait, tell me one thing. One is – and the reason this part is interesting to me is because um, I have a lot of questions here. Is I would like to write a book. I'm going to write one. But at the same time, you – does everybody in them have a book, do you believe? Or is it a specific, why did you have this need to write? Why do most people, do you feel, have a need to write? Is it is it something common built into our DNA going back to telling a story around a fire and it's the best way to do it is, is another form of learning? And then the other one is, um, 
how did you know that you needed to do it or that you wanted to do it to where you were able to study for that long and keep finding value even after rejection after rejection? Okay, so let's go with the first question. The first question is, does everybody have a story? Um, look, well, let's start with that. Everybody's got stories. We're, we're storytellers. You have two little girls, right? At night, when they, go to sleep, when they go to sleep, do you read them bullet points? Do you show them PowerPoints or do you read them stories? <laughs> No, we listen to Quintus Diaz. We listen to fairy tales on the speaker right. or my wife tells them a story I read. Yeah, of course. <laughs> we grow up in stories, man. We're wired for it as a species. Uh, you know, like you said, around the fire, we're wired for storytelling. Now, writing books used to be the only medium available to tell stories, you know, and then the visual medium came with film, but that's modern, right? And now podcasts and now audio, this, there's many ways to tell a story now. Right. You could start a YouTube channel, tell your story. You could you could do an Instagram, whatever, just talk it out. Writing a book is is the old school way, but it's the way that'll stay with us forever. You know, ever since like it's the way we once we could record a story which was which was uh auditory into a into like, you know, people were carving into stone tablets. Right? And stone tablets all the way to the Gutenberg press and the press all the way to like modern to the Kindle, right? Um that's something that we all grow up on. I think will stay with us. And I, for me, uh, books are my refuge as a child. Like books are what I escaped to when, when things were rough. And I just read and read and read. And I think anyone who wants to write a book has to be a reader. If you're not, a lot of writers have said this. If you can't, if you're not a reader, you're not a writer. You know, because you also learn, you absorb craft. You uh, and also you have to have a love for it. If you don't have a love for the medium, find the medium you have a love for. Because that's what keeps you going through the rejections of what it doesn't do well, right? You're doing it for the love of it. And for me, it was always books. The medium was, was books. And that's why I followed that. What's the lady who wrote Eat, Pray, and Love? Um, oh, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert. Yeah. And she said something like when she's reading a book and all of a sudden she just wants to get up and celebrate the way someone articulated, mm -hmm. like the architecture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then Tim Ferriss made a reference to Little Big. And then I was reading that book, I was looking at it for how it was put together. And I started realizing, holy shit, this is just wh whoever's mind was able to put the words together in this way. And I said, how much more have I missed in the books from the actual structure? Like how much more is hidden from what I've written, what I've read in the past that I've missed because I haven't been looking at the way the pieces were put together, just looking at the whole and how I felt. You know, actually, if the craft stands out to you too much, the reader, it's showing off. It's not real. It should be seamless. The hardest craft is when it, may so, it appears so simple, your daughter could have written it. That's the hardest to do. Like Mark Twain, uh, there's a great quote from Mark Twain. He said, you know, where he's like, who is an amazing American author, humorist, like a real philosopher. You know, he said, I would have written you a shorter letter, but I didn't have enough time. So he said, I'm writing a long letter because I have, because a shorter letter takes editing, takes work, takes thought, right? So the point, point of craft, now writers notice it because writers always try to be better at the craft. So they will notice it more than, but if your readers are paying attention to the craft, you're showing, one, showing off, and two, it's getting in the way of the story. So you, it, ha it has to be seamless. That's like Hemingway. There's so much craft in there, but it's written so simply and so true and so clear. And he's the one who changed modern American writing, which actually influenced writing all around the world. Before, there used to be this flowery prose um, where he just made it clean and clear. I mean, like, look, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, 
you know, I went to Cartagena to see his house, right? <laughs> I mean, God, that man could write. Oh my God, you have one of the best writers in human history, you know? Look at the craft in his. The first line of 100 Years of Solitude, I literally wept when I read it. You know, the, the, the one about the colonel, like who's, who's like at the firing squad and, the, and he remembers ice. It's, there's novels inside that first line, right? It's such an amazing first line, right? That's craft. That doesn't happen by accident. You know, this, you can tell, you, I started reading that, you can tell this man has worked on the craft. He is a master. You know, Gar, Gar, Marquez was a master. But what, for what, so when you started studying obsessively, what were you looking at it and how did you start bringing that into what you were building? And did you start studying first and then build or were you doing it simultaneously? Both. Writing, Both. studying, writing, studying. Actually, I made the mistake of my first draft of a novel I wrote. I wrote without studying and I spent six months writing this uh, draft of a novel. Six months, just morning till night, just get up and write and write and write, right? Finish it. And I remember going to a bookstore and just idly looking at books. When I was finally done, I was like, I can't be reading because I'm writing. I don't want to be influenced by others. I still do that now, but it's different. Um, and, uh, and I picked up Hemingway's Farewell to Arms. Was it Farewell? Yeah, the one that takes place in, the, in Italy in the First World War. And I remember start, I started reading the first paragraph and there in the bookstore, I started crying because I realized I just spent six months writing a pile of garbage. And this is what real writing was. And so that's what set me on that journey to learn the craft, to learn are the you, craft. Are you, are you a sensitive person by nature, Kamal? You just said reference two times that you cried in those two moments. Are you, I mean, I'm sensitive in certain aspects when I notice beauty like in design and architecture. Yeah, I was to that, that was beauty in the way the words were done. Okay, yeah. but I'm just curious about you, how you resonate with the world and like what was the part that brought the tears? Was it yeah. the craft? Was it yeah. you understanding that you were wrong for so long and now you see the light? Was it just the beauty of this prose in your mind as it was, it was as you were building like, an image? I, it was, I was crying for myself because I just spent six months writing garbage. <laughs> I realized just what real writing was and what I had just written. And it, I had so far to go, you know? Okay, awesome. That's a and good so feeling. I was crying man. for myself. I was crying for myself, but I was also like, it, it shit. he showed me the path. He said, this is where you can go. Right? People say like, oh, people reach out to me and say, I want you to mentor me in writing. I'm like, look. You're, you, no, 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 no. I meant, I was mentored by Hemingway and he was dead when I was, so how was that? It's the right, it's their works that mentor you. If you care enough, you will obsessively go through their works and understand what they do and then start to do it your own way. Okay. So now to go back in the story, before love yourself like your life depends on it, you were a writer. Yeah. So I was writing, but I was a, un, I was not a successful writer. I was just a writer who collected rejection letters. Really? So when you, well, I mean, we're going to come back in this detail that night, you, I don't know if it was night or day when you got up and said, and that, and that process started, I, I love myself. Were you a writer? Did you have that power to be able to write and the confidence in that moment? Or it had nothing to do with writing at that moment of writing that sentence or that, that, that thought process? Completely unrelated. That was a human moment of just, really? do I give up on life or not? Completely okay, unrelated. We'll come back to that one then. Started writing. You love writing siliconvalley.com. And then we got into the topic about writing and then I interrupted you like. Not at all. You had a second question as well. And I'm sorry, I forgot. I think I answered the first one. 
I don't know if you one remember was about the, the beauty. One. I think you answered it. Was about the it was about the craft, like how you can um, get the craft and how you studied what you studied, and then how you actually applied what you learned, and the rejection. What what drove you day after day? You'll appreciate this. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday who's a very who's a very successful screenwriter in Hollywood. Like literally, he's you've seen his movies, right? He does very well. He's very very much in demand. And we've been talking about, we've been, I've been studying screenplay writing lately. It's a different form of writing, right? It's a very different uh, craft. And when I called him up, this was literally yesterday. I was like, dude, how did you learn? Like, how did you go through the process, right? Did, and he did basically what I did with Hemingway. He said, I just read the scripts of every movie I loved. I just read again and again and again. And he said, then I wrote a lot of shitty scripts. That's what it was. That's the secret, you know? So for me, I read the authors I fell in love with again and again and again, and then I wrote shitty drafts. I wrote shitty. <laughs> but you never studied. You never went to school for for literature or anything like that. No, I studied just... economics and biology. Two very, very, very different from writing. And you know what? I'm glad I didn't. Looking back, because I because I was able to develop my own voice. You know, and writing the hardest thing is having your voice. And so rather than someone teaching me what voice I should have, I, I've developed my own unique voice. And that's come from my life that's experience hard. and all. That's hard. But that's part of working on a craft. And you only develop that over time. You know, you see in the beginning, I was copying Hemingway. And you do that. You go through that process. You go and you start copying the masters that you fall in love with. You write like them. And then over time, you start to come out. Your, your confidence in writing gets better. And you start to figure out ways to express the same thing with your own true way. You can definitely see Hemingway's influence in my writing. But you also see it's not Hemingway. Right? To take this um, line of thought, because in your book, Love Yourself, you have a wonderful part about groove, which mm-hmm. relates to one message that my bo- my ex-boss had an Apple or my, one of my leaders, you know, when I was exceeding a lot of stuff, he says, hey, be careful. That's It's easy to do that. It's easy to have success. It's hard to maintain it. It's hard to keep it at that constant level, to keep reinventing yourself where you're becoming better. I mean, that's where the real the difficulty lies. And my question for you, Kamal, is that I, I never have, I don't have a clue to answer it yet is you start doing something, you get feedback, then someone gives you feedback and it kills something you thought you were good at or you were doing well. And you don't know when to quit and when to keep going. How do you know that, okay, there's more potential, keep going. How do you, what kept you in those moments like you rejection to say, I'm going to keep writing. I don't give a shit what they say, or you cared, but there was something inside you that helped you. If that makes sense. You you have to want it badly enough. No one can make that, make you do that. I wanted it badly enough. I wanted to write badly enough. It was just in me. It's like, why does someone, why do entrepreneurs still come out? Some people just are driven to build that billion dollar company. They have that drive. I don't have that drive to build a billion dollar company. Right, I but I have that drive to write that great book. You know, we are all special. We all have our special drives, right? For me, it was telling stories, and something in me just maybe because books were my refuge, and like I learned so much from books. I have books that changed my life. You know, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho, which is my favorite book of all time. That book changed me when I after I read it. I've seen the power of stories in my life, and now I've seen the power of my stories in other people's lives which is magical, let me tell you. It's magical, amigo, it's magical. But it took a long time to get here. It took a long time to get here. <laughs> but I have a, some friends who are architects and I studied architecture. Uh-huh. I never was an architect. And 
they build castles and get to walk through what they imagined. I mean, yeah. and you, how was the magic for you in seeing the magic of your story in someone else? Like, it's the most beautiful thing. Well, look, because writing is also, Hemingway said this in the, he didn't show up to his Nobel Prize uh, acceptance, but he, he had written a, a little speech that someone read. And he said, writing is the loneliest art. And it really is, man. Of all the art I could have picked, I don't know if I, I picked the hardest one emotionally. Writing, you sit down, you face a blank page. It's just you and your demons and your, your hopes, dreams, desires, everything about you and the blank page. And you have to put that page, create magic on that page, right? And that's why so many people get writer's block. It's just, that's the fear of the blank page. It's like any craft you go through, you care about, when you work through your own fears and demons to create something, you're, you know, so I guess to use the, the, the alchemist, you know, you, it's alchemy. You, you, you change as well. Every time I write a book, I'm a better, I'm better me, right? Because I have, it, it's how it has to go through me, my heart, my soul, my mind, my fingers, you know, and the laptop keyboard and to put something there. And then it's still just me. It's just me on the page. I mean, work, you know, and when you write, you don't write just one draft. First draft is just you're vomiting on the page. And then you're like, then there's a sculpture. And then you start hammering and chiseling and hammering and chiseling for drafts and drafts and drafts. You, start, you spend 10 times as much work in the time in the, in the hammering and chiseling as you do in the original draft. You know, it's that that's where the craft is. You know, is, is in that, you know, Hemingway said writing is in the rewriting. You know, it, that's, that's how you can tell someone cares about their work. If they just put their first draft out, they don't care about the work. They care about their ego. Now, if you care about the work, and the first draft is always shit, right? First draft of anything is shit. You know, first draft iteration of a product out of an app is shit. If you put that out and that's all you stick to, um, I'm, I've countless stories from Silicon Valley, you know, about how the later iteration was created the success, not the original version, right? So if you realize that's part of the process, so you do this and you're alone in it, and you put it out, and you have no idea if other things, other people will feel the way you felt with what you write. And then in the modern day, here's the beauty. I, you know, I put my email in one of my books. At the back of my book is my email. Say, look, if you read it, you reach out to me. And people do. And the emails I get are, and I mean, look, I got this beautiful. And now with Instagram and Twitter and all that, people message me through all these platforms. I got this one um, the other day from a mother telling me that my audiobook for Love Yourself her 10-year-old daughter listens to it every night. That's her bedtime story that she wants to listen to. She says, Mommy, play the man who talks about loving himself. She said, your voice has become – and what you're oh, telling, your voice talking is, about. <laughs> it's funny, your, I've listened to all your podcasts. I was thinking, I was like, man, he's got a great voice. And then I saw that tweet you put, and I was like, holy shit, there it is. <laughs> right? And, and it's like me reading my words and this little girl – and she, her mom is like, you know, you're basically my daughter's not a girl is going to grow up loving herself because of you. You know, how beautiful that feels when, you know, it's, wow. it's magical, man. It's mad. But, but look, I spent a lot of work in that book. It's insane the amount of time I spent in front of that blank page, just hammering and chiseling. Right. So to see that on the other end is the magic. Right. But you got to go through that, through the learning the craft and the hammering and chiseling to, and then put out whatever you can, the best work at that time in your life. I'm sure I'll be a better writer two years from now than I was two years ago. But I, you know, you just put it out. You put it out. You look at any any author. You look at Hemingway. You look at Marquez. Whatever, their 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 style changes. It evolves. They get they you know because they grow as human beings, and their craft gets better and better. To connect now, to, you said ritual. 
first, I want to ask you just a quick question about friendship. James told you you got to publish this, or he did a about the book, correct? How did that work? For, okay, was, so the story was with, um, behind the story behind that. So, love yourself like your life depends on is an interesting story. That's what this is about. Um, that book, I self-published a little, little, tiny version of it seven years ago, and that self-published version within a month became the number one self-help book on Amazon. Like just books, self-help, Kamal. It was like, just took off. And I did it and I was terrified of putting it out. James, my friend, James Alton, my friend, you know, he said, I'd made a, I'd given my word to him that, that if he liked it, I would. And he liked it, so I put it out. So the version that now that we're talking about is seven years later of all the lessons learned, that all the stuff I held back, I didn't expect the book to be so successful, right? So is and also seven years of applying it and all the questions I've got from readers and answering them, the real work uh, I put out uh, this year. But the original work was put out because I gave my word to my friend that if he liked it, I would. And he said, I like it. Now you must. So I did. What does friendship mean for you? Because I, it's interesting when you speak about your friends and these people that for me, one of the best lessons I've ever learned is that a friendship is something you've got to take care of and you've got to nurture and you've got to put a lot of energy into it because having a having friendship is such an emotional balance for a human being. So I just curious about your friendship with James and what it meant for him to value your work and say you have to do it. So if you can, just connect what you're feeling. I'm really interested in how you feel about friendship and what that means for you in your, in your world and what you do. Look, I love my friends. I genuinely love them and I'm there for them, but I'm also a very lazy friend where I just drop out of sight at three periods of time, <laughs> you know, and I just assume they'll love me when I re- reappear again. Um, it's, it's not, a, it's not something I'm proud of, but I am the kind of friend who all, who like, if they need me, I'm there, you know, um, but James is interesting. James is one of my, uh, James's family. I love that man dearly. And funny enough, James when we had that discussion, we'd only met once in person. Really? Like James and I became friends. Yeah. James and I became friends because he had a blog that I started reading. And before it was popular, it became a very popular blog. I used to comment on it. And, and years later, he told me he would write something and, on the blog and he would just go to bed feeling horrible about it. thinking he just destroyed his career, this, that, or his life. And, and wake up the next morning, there was a comment from me talking about how much I liked it which kept him going, this stranger on the internet, right? And through that, we connected and we had only met once, but we developed a relationship through his blog. That's wonderful. And now we, you know, we hung out enough times in person, but yeah, it kind of shows you the modern, uh, modern day friendship is not the same as like we are friends with the what people we grew up with. You know, like I didn't even know anyone I grew up with anymore. I didn't even know, I didn't even keep in touch with people I went to college with. Or the army or whatever. Like I, Neither do I. You know, right? The, the modern world, we just move so far away from our original tribe. We create, and then a new tribe and a new tribe and a new tribe. Um, but it's amazing how we can now make friends across the world just through where there's, there's something about themselves that they put out that we're drawn to. Right? Um, I have some readers that have become friends of mine that they email me and we end up having email conversations over years and then we meet in person and then like they've actually become friends. Right? That's it. And that's, that's so wonderful. You gave James magic when he went to sleep. Like, hey, man, your stuff has value. And I loved it. Like, you know, like when we when I asked you the question, how you keep going and that you were part of that keep going for James. That's awesome to be someone that that keeps someone else going and sees some potential or beauty in what someone else does and then 
keeps them going the next day. Yeah, like, look, I always tell, you know, I'm a strong believer. When I see people do things that I like or admire, I always try to support them in some way, whether it's in a comment or a tweet or whatever, because often we're so alone in our journey and our heads, we walk around, often we walk around with a monkey inside our head, just banging on drums. You know, it's sometimes nice to just hear the validation from out there. You know, we're humans. Just to tell someone, hey, I really like what you did. You know, thanks for doing it. You know, even just like emails like that mean a lot to me. You know, because we all put, like your podcast, like if you get a message from someone saying how your pod, an episode really helped them, that'll feel good. Oh, man, it feels great. You know, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I think people should do more of that. You know, like I don't like to do negative um, social media. I have I have very clever tweets and I'm a smart guy, very clever tweets I can put out about negativity and they'll get a lot of retweets or whatever. But then what am I creating in the world, right? I like to just support when people are doing good stuff. You know, there's not enough of that. I think we need to be, if you all just said, like, look, someone's doing something good, let me just support them. But even with just my voice saying thank you or an applause, you know, it'll help them. To connect to your stories, I would like to talk about rituals. There's a book uh-huh. called Iron John by Robert Bly. Okay. And, and Kevin Kelly has mentioned several times about he thinks every human should go to another place where people have less than and serve and help them or go and be in the military because you will come back a better husband, a better brother, a better person. And that we're missing this ritual. And you've had a few of them. You've had the one where your dad died. You had the one where you're in the army. You had the one where you walked. And I'm, do you, I feel that a lot of, and I feel that Colombian Latin America is so strong because of the violence in the past that they have lived through some serious yeah. rituals. So their yeah. evolution, yeah. but the United States, I feel a lot of people have not had that ritual. They have missed that going to fight the lion, get your tooth pulled, take the, the drug and wander in the desert for 18 days and find your way back. Mm-hmm. What is your view of ritual if we're missing it, and how was the experience with your dad in the army? Was that a ritual or was that just an experience? For me, it would be a rite of passage, where a human rites of passage is something that humans have had in common across race and across time, across race, country, and time. So, for example, most societies, most tribal societies, and event at one point, it, that's all we had. Um, and not that long ago in human history, uh, like if you were a boy, and I will talk about boys because, you know, I was a boy. If you're a boy and you had to become a man, you you were tested by your tribe. You had to do something. You had to go through something, prove yourself, and then you then you you prove yourself. You became a man. Even you know, even if it was like you said, take you know, go have the vision quest for five days, five nights, find out who you're about, what your name is, and come back to the tribe with that gift. You know, it's a classic hero's journey. If you read Hero's Joseph Campbell, of classic course. hero's journey, right? And in modern day, we don't have that. Like if you grow up. Go to, you know, you have, if you like grow up in suburbia America, you go to high school, then you go to college where you spend half your time drunk, you know, going to college, going to classes, but that's not really cha- – going to school is not challenging. It doesn't challenge your mind, body, and soul. People think it does, but it doesn't. Not the way that the rites of passage used to be. And I think – but look, life will challenge you. You know, we all lose people. We go through heartbreak. We lose – you know, people die. You know, that's a rite of passage. Every human live long enough will experience again and again and again. And that loss of someone just gone, right? That's a, you know, loss of a parent. That's a hum- That's a rite of passage. But something like the boy to manhood, I think I was, I'm really grateful I gave myself by joining the army. I, I didn't realize I was doing that at 18, but I was different when I came out. 
than when I went in. And it gave me a sense of self that I didn't have when I went in as an 18-year-old. Now, one doesn't need the military. I tell, you know, grab, you know, I say the best thing is grab a backpack and go to a country where you don't speak the language and wander around. You will learn what you're made of. And you will all of a sudden grow in ways you never could have otherwise. But it has to be where, you know, American, don't grab a backpack and go to Australia. They speak English. It's just like, you know, like it's, don't do that. But go like, if you don't speak Spanish, go to somewhere, go to Colombia with a backpack, wander around. And you'll get to see how generous or wonderful people are. But even if you're an outsider, you don't speak the language. If you try to, you know, you now you're like an idiot. Basically, all of a sudden, you become an idiot. Who, I mean, you can't communicate to people. You know, like you start to feel like an idiot. And yet how people take you in and they help you and they love you and they, or they take advantage of you. You get to learn about yourself and humanity in a way that you don't live in your life every day to day. Um, so that's what I think are rites of passage. But, you know, I... Do you think we're missing you it grow. That's- I think the way in tribal society, it was part of tribal societies. We don't have that in modern society. And I think we are missing something there where if you haven't been challenged like that, um, it, it forms you. If you have been challenged like that, if you haven't, I think we are because it wouldn't, it was just part of our, uh, of our humanity and there's nothing wrong with doing that. No, no. And it's the reason I say it, Kamal, is because I went, when I went back home last time, my mom was like, Hey, what do you want me to do with these? And they were all my soccer trophies. And I was like, oh, I'm going to throw them away. And my daughters were there. I'm like, why are you throwing them away? And I was like, because I didn't earn them. They were given to me. I go, some of these, I was, I earned them, mm. but most of them were given. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, all I did was show up and they gave this to me because they wanted me not to hurt my feelings. And I go, and that's not the right way you do that's something. You do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I see what you're saying. When you earn something, I remember like earning my infantry cord in the army. And I, at 18, I turned 19 to boot camp. The pride I felt, I had worked hard for it. You know, it's like when you earn that right, I, I earned the right to be a soldier, right? When you earn the right to a trophy, right? You, there's something different. You did something special. Yeah. yeah. And, you, like, and what you said that I want to talk about your trip when you walked is you can't walk and go back and start again. You walk and you keep forward every single day until you get to the end. There is no stopping. There is no going backwards. There is no giving up. So it's like when you finished, you finished, you completed something. You passed through that, that specific rite of passage, as you said. And I don't know how many people now in the world or when they find or how they find it, but I, it seems like you've had a few. The passing of your dad, going to India, this trip. The well, military. the passing of my dad, there's nothing special about it, man. A lot of people have passing of their dad. It's, you live no, long enough, not the way going to India, <laughs> having abusive, re- reconnecting with him, coming to terms with it. And then, and then from there, looking for answers on this trip. It seems like it was a lot I mean, look, I, we all have, no, even if we love our parents 100%, we still have issues with them. It's just a human, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a nature, right? It's a nature of parent-child relationships. So, you know, when your parent passes, there's a lot you have to deal with, you know, a lot of emotion, right? So I don't, I don't look at myself as anything special there. I think walking the Camino was special. But look, that, the Camino de Santiago has been around since the 11th century. There was nothing special about me. I, you know, I, I was just another pilgrim. One of the millions and millions who walked those same streets for what? So for how many? Almost a thousand years. And there's something beautiful about that. You realize is I'm just part. It's just all these humans who walk through who are long gone and forgotten by you know. Um, but also pilgrimages have been a part of many many cultures. You know, Asian cultures, 
uh, Japan, they have them, Tibet, they have them, China, they have them, India, they have them. So pilgrimage themselves are a huge rite of passage. It's, it's, I think it's different per society with the opportunities that are offered. And sometimes, you know what? People go through sh- garbage in life, and that's a hell of a rite of passage, just surviving through it and becoming a good human being, right? That itself is sometimes the greatest rite of passage where you become through that, and you choose to become a good human being through that, right? So, I mean, like in the U.S., the military was one option. Another option, I think, for people who can do it. And that's what people say, oh, well, you had, some, you had money so you can go backpacking. Look, I, I spent eight months in Europe and Asia with $3,000 to my name and nothing else. I ate in, you know, in Europe. I was living on three dollars a day. You know, I was I was sleeping in fields and, and and ruined castles, literally ruined castles. You know that ruined, which for me was so romantic, right? As an American, we're good to see ruined castles in Spain and sleeping in them. So one doesn't need money to do this either. So that's an excuse. That's a very good excuse for fear. I'm going to reach for something else. Maybe that's not here in this question. Uh-huh. Is did you in 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 the book? Uh, Iron John speaks about having a second dad, like you have your dad, but there's certain things your dad cannot teach you that you need to learn from a second dad, like a second or like a role model who is a father figure that can help you go on this rite of passage. That's the reference in the book. Did you have a father figure if you weren't connected with your dad growing up or who was, who were the people that helped form, helped form you? Or do you believe that it molded you or was it the books, the people in the books, or was it actually a real person if you can identify one? No, there were people who came into my life in and out, you know, um, but I mean, look, man, one's got to be careful reading these books and thinking that's the, that's the end all for everyone, right? I think a human, the human life is too complex. I would say people came in and out of my life and a lot of it I just learned by like throwing myself in situations. I know actually Tim Ferriss and I were talking about this. We were joking about how he likes to research. Like if he wants to do something, he likes to really research it and really, you know, learn it and understand everything and then do it. Me, I'm like, okay. And I jump off the cliff. (laughs) I'm like, okay, let me try it. Let me figure it out. That's my personality. I've done some very stupid things along the way doing that, but I've also done some very remarkable things because of that. Right. And it's the same thing. It's like when you ask me, are you sensitive? You know, I am. And actually, someone, this woman said to me years ago, you think your sensitivity is your greatest weakness, isn't it? I'm like, you're right. And she said, have you ever considered it's your greatest strength? And looking back, you know, looking now, like, look, when you're sensitive, you feel and you feel deeply. So when you hurt, you hurt deeply. Right. Which is hard. That is, that's where the, I feel is the weakness. But I can't, I couldn't write the way I do. I can't write the book I've written and change the lives I have through my books if I wasn't sensitive, because that comes from my words, right? Um, anyway, I wanted to answer that question um, because I hadn't earlier. The world's complex. You have a very specific type of sensitivity. I mean, when I was reading um, Love Yourself, it seemed like, okay, shit, man, this man was at some points, you know, and, it was, and for me, it was hard to first want to read it besides even knowing you. It's like, okay, I don't need a self-help book. Right. But when you read it, that you understand that, okay, it sounds like just someone talking to you. Like you forget the type of book you're reading. You feel like you're just talking to someone who's saying, Hey man, I suffered through some shit. This is what I found. I have no idea if it's going to work for you. It worked for me. And this is what I did. And these are some things I learned. Check it out. If you don't like it, it's cool, but this is what helped me. And I was like, okay. And yeah, so I was yeah, able I'm to appreciate clear. it I'm by not, the type of sensitivity. I am not a self-help author. I run away from most people who say they're self-help authors. I run away screaming. Like, 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 they're, like, I, I don't, I, I'm just a guy who's lived life, 
and cares fundamentally about the craft of writing and now shares his story, his lessons. If that's self-help, that's self-help, right? But that's, a, that's like I was talking about publisher, HarperCollins, like they wanted me to do, change some stuff in the book and I told them no, and this is why. And, I, and, and they understood and they let me do what, what I was gonna do. Um, and I said like, look, I'm not your, because the division was all, they just do all self-help. And, and I said, look, I'm not one of your self-help authors. I'm just an author who happens to be writing a self-help book. That's what's gonna be very different. It's gonna be written the way that I, as a man who's lived life, who like who takes risks in his life and has learned some things and that very important lesson changes life, is gonna share it. I'm not an expert. I'm not, I didn't go to get my PhD in loving yourself. <laughs> life gave me that lesson, right? And I've learned the hard way. And I've seen what it did for me. And I just want to share that. Can you please come on, tell us about the, the, I would love for the audience to hear it, even though you've talked about a lot, just the beauty of the trip. Okay. The Camino Santiago is something I think anyone who does it never regrets it. They're better for it. You know, it, it's, it starts in Roncesvalles um, at the Spanish French border and ends at a city called Santiago de Compostela, which is in Galicia. Um, I didn't say that properly. I, I'm trying to remember my, my Spanish Spanish now, right? Oh, like how in Barcelona, they, they always correct you if you don't say it properly. And I went there for only a couple of days. I didn't even know if people were still walking it. And I started walking and I couldn't stop. And there's something really, really special that every day you get up and there's other people, pilgrims, peregrinos, uh, who come from all over the world. Everyone with a backpack and a scallop shell, which is the, the sign, the symbol of the pilgrimage. And um, you get up every day and you walk. So what makes it special? One is that you're, every day you get up and you walk west, right? You just, every day, that's your job. Get up and walk west and sleep and eat along the way. There's something about walking through a country, walking through hills, walking through cities, walking through villages, walking through, through the rain, through the mud. It does something to you because it's just you and your thoughts. You can't escape the way you do when you're at home in front of your computer or other people, just you and your thoughts. And also the people you meet, the kind of people who come to something like this is special. Like they're different. Not the average person doesn't say, I'm going to go walk the Camino Santiago for 800 kilometers. They don't do that. So the kind of people you meet, right? Uh, but you know, every, but a lot of people are dealing with things, you know, like, and, and this is the way of resolving it. So the conversations you have are not the average conversation. And I love great conversations and a great conversation with the right person can change your life, literally change your life. Right. So an experience like that, you're very, very likely to have that many, many, many times, many times. All right. Think of the weird the experience of where you are when you all get together, you all sleep in the same places, what they call refugios, you know, refugees for pilgrims. And so there's like, it's like a, like a, barracks like a hot hostel with all these people all ages sleeping in there snoring all with their backpacks get you have meals together but you may meet you're meeting different people every day from all you know it's a lot of europeans but you'll meet people i've met you know from japan you name it they're just from all over the world they come to do it think about i'm doing that for and some people do it only like one week at a time they'll do one stretch one year and they come back the next year do the next stretch come ah, back next year okay. do that yeah, there's many, but there's no rules, right? It's your pilgrimage, right? There's no, uh, there's no fine. There's no nothing. You just show up and say, I'm going to start here. And you start. And well, how do you, 
But how do you deal with it? Like if someone, you start a conversation and you're like, okay, cool. This person got their own thing going on. And then they're next to you the next day. And you're like, Hey man, or Hey missus, or Hey, I need, I need, how do you navigate the, the, the space? You do, it man. Natural the you, way? It's natural. It's do. Everyone's doing their own journey. Everyone's a pilgrim. And in fact, often you meet someone you really like, but the next day you never see them again. Cause you started walking, they're walking at a different pace. And so they, they stay maybe one city behind you or you get two cities ahead. And then since you're walking every day, you're getting further and further ahead. That's actually harder. You meet people you like and you never see them again. So it's very interesting. It's a great metaphor for life. You know, some people ride their bikes. They can do it in, you know, you, for 800 kilometers on a bike is, is very doable in a week. So some people do that. Although I think the walking is better because it's the conversations that happen. That including the walking, you meet someone along the way and you walk together for half the day. And you end up talking about, you know, you end up sharing with strangers things you wouldn't tell your closest friend, right? And they're with you and, and like lessons and so forth. And it's, it's beautiful. Um, I didn't expect any of that when I did it, funny enough. How many people were like you that just showed up and said, I'm walking this? And how many were there actually planned? I don't imagine no, people show up like I, you and I'm say. I'm the only one I've, I'm the only one I met. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. Hey, how come you're here? I was in the neighborhood. (laughs) Literally, I was in Spain and I was drunk and it sounded like a good idea. I was drunk on a lot of Spanish wine. (laughs) And you know what's beautiful is it's been beautiful like when it got translated into Spanish and it's called Renacer. You know, so to see it, I have a copy of it, right? It's a Renacer. And I love the photo that they chose, Um, you know, the story that took place in Spain, you know, now is available in Spanish. Is actually like beautiful uh, yeah, for yeah, me. Of course. You know? That's awesome. I'm curious about the the startup. That's the catalyst for for Love Yourself, correct? No, it was a company that I built that I spent three and a half, four years building and it was going very well and I put all my money into it and I raised money. I was doing well and then the whole thing exploded and I lost everything. And um, I was in a very bad place. I hadn't I was sick. I was depressed, being out of my mind. I'd I'd lost every single dime. I was living off credit cards, you know, and and I was in a very bad place. And I it was one night I decided, like, I mean, I'm gonna get out of this or die trying. Like, I don't want to live like this. This being in my head, being this miserable in my head. It was a culmination of a lot. All just happened, right? And from there, what I sat down and I wrote this vow to myself, and I don't know where it came from. And I still will never know. It just came from some place deep within me, which is how I know it's pure. And I thought I would write a vow to like, I don't know, get out of this or whatever. Instead, what came out was a vow to love myself, which is not a word I was thinking of at the time. Um, but I do believe in the power of commitment. So, you know, as you saw, like when I committed to James, I put the book out. I put the book out. This is a commitment to myself. I then had to sit down and figure out how to do this. How do I love myself? Because that's basically what, came out of me was how to save myself. And I sat around and tried to do it. I mean, I didn't read any books on it. I didn't watch YouTube videos. I didn't go to any seminars. You know, like, it's not something I thought about. I just worked out with my inside on my head. And so, well, because all the misery was inside, right? It, that's what I'm, I was stuck with was the misery inside. And so I just worked on how to shift it. And by using the concept of love. And so I did it over time. I noticed things inside started to change. And what worked, I kept. What didn't work, I just put away. So I was just working in my inside. And so within a month, everything had really changed. And not only my inside, but what was interesting as my inside changed, my outside started to change. It's just something very interesting I've noticed in life. When your inside shifts, your outside shifts. It, not like right away, but it, in a few weeks. It's, it's very interesting how life works. Don't ask me why it works, 
what's behind it. Those are all theories. I'm just telling you practically what I've noticed. Okay. And so, so I started telling friends about it, you know, about, about like, Hey, you know, if we're going through a hard time, do this, do that. This is what I did. And it started to help them and they started getting better and whatever they, they were going through. And it could have been just like, not one didn't have to be at their breaking point. Like I was right. And so then I told James about it. He wanted me to write it on his blog. And I said, no, I didn't want to write his blog because I was scared because I didn't want people in Silicon Valley to read it. But I said, look, I've been keeping some notes. I'm, I'm going to write a little book. Maybe I'll self-publish it because no one knows me. No one's going to get it anyway, but I'll put it out. Now, here's the beauty of how life works. All those years that I've been teaching myself to the craft of writing, I was, I was teaching myself to be a, write novels, to write fiction novels, right? But because I now had the craft, I could write this little story so simply and so well that anyone could read it and do it, right? I never set out to be write these kind of books. I was going to write the great American fiction novel, right? And instead, I wrote this little book about loving yourself, called Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On. It self-published on Amazon, and it took off all over the world. Like people, you know, getting copies of it, this little, little book. And that's where it came from. And that's the story behind that book. That's the story behind that night. Did the actual writing help you? Like no, the writing was, was no, the writing. I was already loving myself. The writing was to share with the world, well, to share not with the world, but to share with others what I had done specifically. Right? So there were two separate processes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to be a self help writer. I, I had no. It, I'm I'm the accidental self help writer, right? That's crazy. Um, and but what's interesting is I put my email address in the book, and I started getting emails from people like just like literally. My first email was like this guy. Um, uh, I was in San Francisco. The guy in New York said, "You know, I was I'm I'm sitting here. I've been, uh, you know, this is we told me we live by himself, his daughter, and then like and and it, relationship has, has ended, and his fiance had left him, and he was actually about to kill himself. And he said, I was some reason I was on Amazon. I said, and I skirting around. I saw your book, and it it just seemed real rather than a cell phone book. So I just and it, it was short. Let me I read it." He said, I read it and I decided not to, and I'm doing what you what you wrote, and I want to let you know that. That was the first email I got. Right. The first one? And that was the first one. Okay. Holy shit. Um, I'll tell you the first, a little aside, and I'll tell you, the, and then we'll come back. The first email I got from Renaissance from Rebirth was another beautiful one. Um, it's This woman said, um, I just got out of prison uh, five months ago. And I've been having a very, very hard time forgiving myself. And I've been hating myself. You said I read your book and I've been able to do that. My novel. Right? Because it's a story about forgiveness. The Vena said the novel is a story about forgiveness. Amongst other things, that is one of the core themes is forgiveness. And, and so I put my email on, on Love Yourself because I didn't expect anyone to reach out to me. I didn't expect it to take off. I really didn't expect any of that. And it took off. So over seven years, man, you should, I have so many emails, like thousands and thousands and thousands of emails and a lot of questions. Because I put like a little thing out, like almost like a little pamphlet, right? And I realized I needed, if I'm going to do this, I owe the world the full thing. So I sat down last year and like, okay, now let me write the real, the full book. And, and so this way, all the questions I answered, everything I held back. And that was a challenge. And that's what I said I had to do. And now that book is out, which is the expanded version, which is the, the, the version that I think is coming out in Spanish or might even be out in Spanish, which I find wonderful. Um, but that's the story behind that book. I have a few more questions. First, I want to say just from the, from the heart, congratulations on 
the ability to write that type of book in Silicon Valley and where you're at and putting yourself the risk to write something that everyone could have just shit on, but taking that, that's, I mean, that's a, that's not an easy thing to do to write something that's that personal and thinking, okay, maybe this can help someone and put it out there. It's not yeah, that I mean, it's easy to write a novel. I really thought I, I really thought I'd destroyed my career because here I'd, I'd lost everything and I was writing a little book about loving yourself. Like what the hell? <laughs> you know, but what it was, it was, tr- it was real and it was me and it was true. And I knew it was helping others, right? Who I was sharing the story with. And this is also because I was got tired of telling people the same thing and walking them through the process of, I just wanted to write it down and just give it to them. Like, shut up, leave me alone. Just do it. Okay? <laughs> Don't keep on calling me every day, asking me how to do it. Because like people, I was telling people, they were finding out, like, what are you doing that changed everything inside you? Like, tell me how to do it. They have to explain them again and again and again, you know? So I wrote the book. I'm like, here's the book. <laughs> In- and come on now, here's the, here's a serious question specifically for me that I want that you um, can answer is that I was at a point one time where I went up in my car into the middle of the woods and I was thinking about just walking and not coming back. And I was thinking about ways to end my life. And I started thinking about what that would affect my parents and other things. And that was one of the things that kept me from doing it. But also I received a small note from an ex-girlfriend that said, I still care. And then my ex-mentor about four and a half years ago, jumped off a building and killed himself. And you have so many people telling you that I'm thinking about that. Why is, do you believe that it's such a consistency for a human being to go that far and wish that and need something like your book? What is it about? Is it about us at this point that people get to this such a point where they need to love themselves or they're missing some piece of the puzzle to say, wow, you know, I can do something. I have control. I know this is a very existential question. I'm just curious because I, I thinking about this conversation, it was going through my mind. Two things. One is majority of people who read my book are not suicidal. It's not a book for people who are suicidal. It just happens to no, no. have that effect on people, right? Majority of people who read my book, it just makes them better. It makes them my whole point is you be a better version of yourself after having read this and applied you know and applying it. Why do people commit man, we're talking like the 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 man, Shakespeare nailed it. How, to be or not to be. It is the ultimate human question that we all grapple with, right? <laughs> I never sometimes we're grappling like that. with it without realizing it. It's it's the ultimate human question. There's nothing special about it. There's nothing special about us going through it. It's a it's a fundamental human question. And many people, I've gone through it many times, repeated a few times in my life. It's not like yeah, I it always stays there. That, that seed it. stays there. It's like a, you know, I actually talk about that in, in Love Yourself, where it's like these kind of could. This is actually can be an addiction. The mind gets addicted to patterns, right? This can be just an old addiction, right? Which is why support to create new, like a positive addiction, a loving uh, okay, yourself okay, that okay, overcomes okay, okay. it, that keeps this addiction below. But to be or not to be, for often for people is, okay, don't want to hurt my parents, don't want to do this, that, that, that. But a lot of people, when they're in pain, man, it is the ultimate, it is the ultimate out of pain. Is You pull the ripcord, you're out, the pain ends. When people are in pain, they're not thinking about the future. They're not thinking about the damage they do. It's a very human thing. When you're in pain, it seems like go forever, you're caught in it. This, I don't judge people for that, man, because... If you can't, we can't, you know, if someone's in pain, they made it, but in doing so, you make a choice uh, uh, that's a permanent choice, you know, and that only comes from, from pain, you know, so I feel sympathy for the people, you know, who kill themselves for the pain that must have been, look, I've been there and I've been close to it, so I understand, right? Um, why do we do it? It's, it's the fundamental human thing, man, to be or not to be. I've never really thought about come on, that, that it's that fundamental. I've never until this conversation. So thanks. Maybe I mean, I'm as I always tell people I'm a lot. Um, 
in any Spanish Adam, right? I know, but I had never just connected to that simple be or not to. I never thought of it as like actual existing. Well, there's certain, there's certain, yeah, there's certain fundamental questions that are part of the human experience. Why am I here? We all struggle with it sometimes. Why, why am I, why do I exist? This is, we all struggle with this. To be or not, that's another one, right? Like, is there a God? Is, is it just me? Is this it? Or is there something bigger? Like who put me here? What happened? Why? What's the point? What is the point? These are all things. We, and to be not to be is another one in there. Except the problem is to be or not to be. If you choose not to be, it's a very permanent solution. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. And the, um, but your book, also the title, it's love yourself like your life depends on it. I mean, that is... Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a calling to a call to action, like open this book because loving yourself. And, and one thing you mentioned there that I, that I have find very hard to do for a long time. And I had an interesting conversation with a, a, a wonderful artist here in Colombia called Adriana Marmorek, that looking at yourself in the mirror in your own eyes for a long period of time is hard to do. Like looking yeah. at your, yeah. even yeah. when I brush my teeth, I look down. I don't look at myself. I have, I find it hard to w- look and see who I am as an individual, even brushing my teeth. And when you say, look at yourself and practice. Yeah. The exercises in the book are all from my experience. And they actually also, you know, I have a degree in biology as well. I understand neuroscience. I understand how you can actually like layer new patterns in your brain and new behavior patterns. You know, we, um, and so some of that has been applied in this book and these practices, but these are all very, very simple. My whole point was to just layer it from like different points so that by the time you're done, you can't help but be loving yourself. And that's, that's what's happened with readers. That's why the book is so successful. It is the only practical book out there. On this. That's why I don't like self-help because self-help is a lot of theory. You know, it's like, you know, everyone, you know, my mom told your mother tells you to love yourself. Your grandmother tells you to love yourself. I mean, just, I don't, you don't need a book to tell you that. What the book does is actually lays you a step-by-step-by-step process. This is exactly how you do it inside yourself. Just try it, right? That's why um, I think if I was a self-help writer, I never would have written this book. I would have written from, I find too many self-help books I've written from theory, right? It's like a business, like if I want to read a business book, I'm going to read from, I want to read Warren Buffett's book. I don't want to read some guy who's just a business writer, right? I want to learn from Warren Buffett. You know, I'm a very big believer in that. You learn only from people who've done it, people who have done it and living it and have the track record, right? That's why most business school books I don't read. They're garbage. They're written from, they sound good, but they, they, they make you feel like something. But no, you know, the thing is the best business books are the biographies of the best business people. Poor Charlie's Almanac is incredible. Amazing, right? I read like Berkshire Hathaway's shareholder letters. You know, that's the best domestic education you'll ever get. So that's, I'm not a fan of like most self-help books, most business books, whatever, anything that comes from theory or even like someone's not built a successful company and now they want to build their brand. And now let me write a business book. No, no, no. There's very few people in the world who qualify <laughs> to write a biz- true business book. That's anything that's transformative to your business. Right. And, and really the best thing is read the biographies. Read the biography, find the biography of the great business people in your country. It's in your country. You know, find them in Colombia, man. Like, learn from them. Are you a Nassim Taleb fan? He's a smart guy. I mean, I don't agree with everything he says, 
but I respect it. And he, you know? he says a lot of these, all that stuff is read a book that's 40, 50, 100, 200 years old. Those are the books yeah, that are still yeah. there. Have, yeah. Look for the anti-fragile books because those are the people that have done it, not the people that are, uh, that are saying they do it. I have a preference for that too. Like a lot of my, the writers I read are like not modern writers. I read like, like Hemingway, for example. Yeah, man. Uh, it's funny. There's almost like this culture of worshiping entrepreneurs just because they're successful. People don't realize just how much of that is luck, how much of that is just you being stupid nine times out of 10, except that one time you were smart. <laughs> you know, it's, that's part of the game, which is why biographies are well done, you know, of a, not an autobiography because everyone wants to look good in their biography, but someone looking from the outside, you know, sharing what the person did. That's the best way to the learn. The best books, I love the books by Isaacson. The, all of, I've read almost all of those. Oh, Walter you know, Isaacson is amazing. All those books. The, the, the Da Vinci book was just, I mean, it was yeah. such a wonderful way. I mean, when he talks about- Oh, I haven't about, read that. The, I should read that. Thank you. He talks about like, I mean, one of the questions he brings up and it's quote a lot is, Da Vinci was thinking, what's the, what's the tongue of a woodpecker like? You're like, what? What, wow. what do you think about that? What's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, it's glorious. I'm going to read that. Thank you. You'll read it fast. I don't know if you've ever read to it. What do you think you've ever read um, Robert Greene's Mastery? I've read it. Um, look, Robert Greene has great stuff where he encapsulates all these different people. My personal preference is, um, I've read it, but my preference, preference, my preference just has to be biographies. I want to learn the human story. I want to learn from the human being, right? Not just, not just encapsulated lessons. Because it's very hard to live them. But if someone, if you learn through a story, if you remember, you're more likely to remember, more like likely this. to live and apply it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why I wrote Love Yourself the Way I Did. Very personal story. With a manual in it, but a very personal story. You know, that's the way it's going to stay in you. So my, my bias is towards actually just reading the actual story. Like I would rather read a biography of Da Vinci than someone writing a book saying Da Vinci's secrets processes whatever oh, okay. you know what i mean i'm more likely to carry what i learned in the biography than i do in the, the other kind of book but that's my personal bias you know we all learn differently and that never really occurred to me like when you were talking about layering the story and the lessons in with story and with people you say this happened on this date at this time you never remember it but when you say sylvia was doing this the cup broke the coffee spilled she scalded her hand she looked mm -hmm. up saw this person and then this happened and this was the date it's in your head forever. You, you mean it's harder to get it out than it is to keep it in. And look, the fairy tales your daughters are listening to, they have life, le life lessons woven in them. Right? Oh, yeah. Right? That's part of the reason that, that children were told these stories was to, to teach them about life. So we, we are wired for it since we are children to learn life lessons, to learn the real lessons through stories. And we often forget that as adults. That's the power of stories, man. Do you know, I mean, last night, the book, The Giving Tree. Are you familiar with The, the Giving Tree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a great one. They were listening to that in Spanish last night. And my youngest daughter, who's about 5.8, she said, I had to stop it because she was getting sad. She was like, oh. I can't, she was like, this is, this yeah. is scaring me. Can you, can you stop it? And I said, no, it gets better. Uh. It has a lesson. Let me finish. It was like <laughs> when, you know, he destroyed the, the, the limbs. He didn't, the tree just kept giving and giving. And this man just didn't appreciate, didn't care. And I had to tell her, I said, that's why you got to be careful in life. You know, you've got to be able to appreciate what people give you. And, you know, and I said, listen to the rest of it. So we listened to the rest of it. And then she finally fell asleep. But that story affected her so much in a story format. I was like, wow, holy Here's mackerel. one of the reasons why. Stories also create emotions within us. And if, you, if you're going to get a good biology, 
if if it if, if something has an emotion attached to it, you're more like you will remember it better. It'll come up better. Like for example, you could have one scary event, one car accident, and then be scared of cars for the rest of your life. It was only one time out of a thousand times you were in a car because of the emotion wrapped in it. Right. So stories also create emotion in us. So they stay in us because of the emotion as well. You know, it's just the wiring, the wiring of the brain. Komal, as we're wrapping up here, are there any other, I mean, there's a million stories you have. Is there anything specific you want to share with the people listening before we get to the last questions about your books, about your life, what you're doing now, what your next project is, what you're working on? No, I mean, look, I've, I've written these books, you know, they're from the heart, they're real, they work. Um, you know, Renaissance is about forgiveness, but it's an actual novel and it's a beautiful novel. You know, if I, I mean, I wrote it, I'm biased, but it's really, it's a beautiful <laughs> novel. And, and, and um, any, everyone who's read it wants to go walk the Camino Santiago after this. I should, I should get a commission from Spain. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but Love Yourself is the one which is the most impactful one, which is the one that's literally changed so many lives. And love Yourself like your life depends on it. And what's amazing to me is um, that from kids to I get emails from like people in their seventies telling for the first time in their life, they're loving themselves. Yeah. It amazes me. So um, I'm very f- grateful that I've been part of creating something very, very special. Yeah. That was... Is the audio book available in Spanish or just in English? It depends on the publisher. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, publisher, uh, they should, they should. I hope they do. Cause I have, the, cause the audio book in English, I read it. Right. No, I'm going to do the audiobook test with my daughters. I'm going to get it tonight and I'm going to start playing it for five, 10 minutes a night and see what the, see what the impact well, is. Listen to it first. Make sure it's fully appropriate for your daughters. No, right. they got I mean, I read it. I don't mean. Okay. All right. All right. I, wa- I want them to listen to it. I want, they have great questions. They have the best questions and the best questions. Don't the kids really do. Yeah. I mean, it's just, ho- yeah. They ask me so many questions. I say, and I always try to reward them. You know, I try to reward the process, not the not the product. But I always try to tell them, "That's a wonderful question. Wow, I love your." Don't stop asking questions. I try to always, always tell them another one, another one, another one. And they're that, and I can't imagine what the questions that they listen to your book, what the questions I'll be forced to answer will be. Mm. So I'm using it as a creative test for myself. What's my capacity as a dad to articulate a more a complex subject matter with my daughters by, by having them listen to the book or not having by sharing the book experience with them, I think would be a better way of saying it. Okay. No, I would love to hear back what the, what they come up with, come (laughs) up with, man. That's a, I will for sure. Yeah. You know, the one thing I'd like to share with everybody, like, you know, one of the lessons of key lessons I've learned is if you do have something you care about, some art, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what your art is, you know, put it out to the world. That's when the magic happens, when you give it to it, when you share it with others. That's when, you know, that's really it. Because often we can get fear can stop us from doing it. It almost stopped me from putting out the Love Yourself book. I was terrified of destroying my career. And the only reason I put it out was because I gave my word to James, right? Changed my life. That's so crazy. Put me on the map as a writer. All these years I was getting rejection letters and this little book put me on the map to the point where now people across the world know my name and reach out to me. You know, and I came so close to not doing it. So close, right? How many people do you think are in that? I mean, have some magic that haven't done it, that haven't said, I want to put up. Not how many. Everyone has their magic, man. You think so? Yeah, we all have our magic. We just have to figure out what is our medium for for putting it out. 
It could be a business. It could be whatever. It could be anything. Right. It doesn't have, it's your, but it's got to be your thing, right? It's your thing. But writing was my thing. That's how I did it. That's how I will always do it, you know? Um, when you think about your book, do you think about that moment of almost not doing it? It was almost not there. And now look at everything I've been able to accomplish and help with people because walking the line like Johnny Cash is the one side <laughs> or the other. Or is, I mean, it's, it's that, it's that, it's a, it's a knife blade. Like you said, to be or not to be, sometimes it is as sharp as a, as a, as a samurai sword. It is just one milla connection that says this side and you're done or one side and you're, and you've, and you've impacted thousands and thousands of lives. I mean, it is just, I don't believe it's anything bigger than a knife. Error on the side of putting it out. You know, it's, I mean, I don't sit around thinking about it because you know, it's like we get used to anything in our life and after a while we just gloss over it and forget because, you know, I remember in interviews, you know, I remember when I was writing the expanded version, just how close the expanded version exists because I, I put that original version out. Right. Um, Moments like that, I remember it. Moments like this, I remember it. But it's like anything in our life, uh, you know, any pivot points. Uh, we kind of, we're human beings, man. Like we just get lazy in our head and we forget. <laughs> you know? And for the people listening, Kamal, you almost, you had a, almost died or no, not too recent, not too long ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not on purpose. How, how long ago? <laughs> no, October, no, no. How uh, long ago? October in the fall. Do you still uh, feel that magic? Year. Do you still feel the magic no. you felt after? No. No, no, you, you get over. It. It's funny, the mind, you know, it's like there's a concept in, in, in Vedic philosophy in the East called Mara. Mara for them is the goddess yeah. of illusion. You know, Mara in Christianity could be, you could say the devil, because the devil is the god of illusion. You know, what devil takes you away from what, what is true, right? And the illusion, your mind, mind gets, eventually goes back to the illusion. You get lazy again about life. You know, so it's one has to like, I believe in constantly working on myself, you know, so I, I do. Um, but that's a whole different conversation we can have another time. But uh, yeah, no, yeah. no, just curious. Cause there's a, I, I, I don't have very many people to verify it with. And every time I get a chance, I try to, there's a, uh-huh. an audio book. I remember that it's a wonderful one where I'll put it in the notes and the guy was saying he got stabbed in the neck with a, with his pen some pen almost died and for three months it was bliss and after three months back to normal and it's also look it's the way we're wired is survival right we're wired to like um it's just survival because then you get caught up in the dream again so you can just live live life i look i wasn't in bliss i was in a very bad place because i was in insane pain healing my body it took five months to just the pain to go away and i was in pain that you know they gave me every pain opioid everything like known to mankind that I, that I actually stopped taking after a week of, because um, I had this book to finish. That also is very interesting. When you have something you care about bigger than you to put out, you're willing to overcome pain. You know, you're willing to overcome your petty self to do in those moments when you have something bigger than you to be and not to becomes to be or not to be becomes to be. So maybe that's the secret, man. Always have something that's bigger than you driving you forward and you will always be to be that because I'll tell you I went, what I went through was so terribly hard, was so horrible. So like I would, it was just so absolutely horrible. There were days I didn't want to be here. I was just so tired of the, of the pain, just curled up every day in pain. Just, just that was my, my every day was just get up and survive, just get up and survive. But I had to, there were days where they were, they said, you know, you can just check out. I would have said, okay, I'm out. 
I don't want to live life like this. But I had this book to put out. It was bigger than me. So every day I got up and I worked on the book. I'm really glad you said that too, Kamal, because my dad has had problems. You know, he just had knee surgery, but he's, he's he was in Vietnam and he's had lots of problems with his body from an accident and other things. And sometimes I wasn't, I wasn't very empathetic with him because I couldn't understand what constant pain is because I don't have it. And so hearing you say that I have so much empathy now for people who are in constant pain, was just like, wow, maybe I owe my dad an apology. Really what they go through, um, like I only, my hats off to them because it's always there. Your mind always has to deal with it. You're never hundred percent present. The pain is becomes the biggest thing. The rest of you takes almost like a backseat. So you get a you get a fraction of that human being because of them dealing with constant pain. You know, it's it, it's it's man. I wish it on no one. Like it's terrible. I wish everyone who's got the pain to heal. It's it's and to, it's only it's to it's kudos to the human spirit that one can go through that and continue to go through and still be a parent and still live and still do things in the world. You know, the, it's the human heart. You know, it's to be. Um, Got something else to do. Yeah, so that's, I think maybe that's the secret for, for many, it could be just your family, your kids, bigger than you. You got to be here, there for them, right? Um, Though I have friends who lost parents to suicide. You know, I have friends like who were parents who committed suicide, right? And so you think at some point the pain gets so much that even they lose that. So I think part of the, part of the, part of the, um, maybe the solution is always have something bigger than you. For it could be God, it could be whatever. It can be yeah. choose what it is. Anything, and, right? And some, and also it gives us uh, as human beings, we need meaning. We need meaning to live our lives, to, so that when things are hard, we continue on, right? So we have meaning, purpose, whatever it is. We all it it only makes us better. But uh, come on, I think you just said, I think what you got at, and I think this is a perfect spot to. To go to the last questions is the sure. purpose for me, like what's your purpose is such a, a weighted yeah, yeah, question yeah. on a human yeah, being. Yeah. But when you say yeah. what you're to be, if you're to be as God, that's liberation of not having to have something that you have to find. It's like already there for you to latch yeah. onto and yeah. your to be can change, but you say, okay, forget about your purpose. What's your to be? What, what, why would you want to wake up tomorrow? What's your to be? Find that thing and then change it or latch on to it. And I think that's, that's easier to access than a purpose. Like what's your to be yeah, versus yeah. your not to be. Cause also purpose has become such a self-help word. Find your purpose, find your purpose. And then that yes. drives people, makes people depressed. I wouldn't find my purpose. Look, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a lazy a bad use of taste the word. in the mouth. Yeah, it's a lazy use of the word. Just find, you know, what what you're what what. It's not even what you're here for. Find what makes you want to do something. What you want to do that ends up becoming like for a long time. I didn't know writing was my purpose. Now I think it is, but it took me a long time to get there, right? And often it's a thing that you would sacrifice. You I've sacrificed for it too. I've sacrificed a lot for it, and and. What would you sacrifice for? That's, that actually gives you a lot of insight into what's, what's truly important to you. Why did I continue doing it all those years collecting rejection letters? No one was paying me. No one was taking, giving me my time. They were just sending me and saying the word <laughs> no, which is a very hard thing to hear when, you, when you're creating art. You know, or they're basically, they're telling you, you suck. Your art sucks. We hate you. Whatever. They don't say that, but that's what it, you take it as, right? Uh-huh. So Everything's so personal until it's right? a yes. So, 
<laughs> so, so I would say like we find what our our thing is. You know, what is it that we're willing to sacrifice for? That that'll give us a lot of insight into our to be. That's a, that's a much better one. What's your to be? What are you willing to sacrifice for that you're to be something else for somebody else or to, to something's bigger than you? Yeah, it's it always got to be, be bigger for than somebody you. else, just for whatever. It can be just purely for existence. It doesn't have to be for anybody else. There were times when I wrote purely for myself because it was ego. Wanted but you said bigger than you. Well, it's become that. It wasn't Oh, okay, that. okay. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah it was. I was. Got to love yourself like, before you can love others. Like you yeah, say in the book. I mean, it's a lie to say you have to love somebody else before you love yourself. No, love yourself. It's you impossible. Can. Yeah, yeah. It's also more fun that way. <laughs> <laughs> it sure as shit is, isn't it? Yeah, right, yeah. Right, right, yeah. A, yeah. Yeah, I did this podcast. I didn't do it for anybody else. I mean, there was a reason behind it for other people, but I said, I need beautiful conversation with beautiful people to grow as an individual. So it was for me. It was so I could become a better dad, a better husband, a better human being with these conversations That's with people awesome, like you. Man. And they've changed my life. I'm a, I'm every single atom of my body now is a, I believe is a better piece of me. Thanks to a conversation with people like you, literally. I mean, they've just, like you said, on that trip walking, it's just the conversations change you. They alter your, your, everything about you, the way you see the world. And then sometimes you revisit, I'm going to be able to revisit this conversation for the rest of my life. This is the first virtual one in English in this space. And I'm going to come back and think about this to be, not to be, these learning. So incredible, incredible. It's great for me because I'm saying things that I've never really fully thought out. So I'm learning as, from learning as well and then learning from you as well. So it's, it's, it's actually like, it's beautiful. And look, it's, you know, it's your medium. It's what you're putting out to the world. You know, like we talked about earlier in the beginning, you know, writing was just mine. One, you know, but there's like so many different ways in the the modern age gives us a way to express ourselves in a in a way that was never available to humanity before, less than a generation ago, right? Like it just wasn't available, and now anyone can express themselves. There's a danger in that because most people are expressing themselves in really silly ways, and it's a it's a it's a it's <laughs> that's a nice sad. way of putting it. Right? It's it's kind of sad because they're wasting um, their their talents or whatever, like for for what? You know, for a bunch of likes, you know, that mean nothing, you know? Uh, versus you could take that energy and put something what you're, what, what's real out. Then you have something special. You This wasn't available before. You know, my dad's a... Um is a psychotherapist and he, he helped a lot of war vets and, wow. and when he found when he was in vietnam he would I mean, this goes to me i'm saying this so my dad when he listens you know i can uh-huh. say thank you him so i'm using this little space but it connects to your points where when he was able to help iraqi vets and vietnam vets who were coming back or who had had problems and they talked to him because he had lived it like you said yep. if this was no yep. person that's telling this is someone who was fucking yeah. there yeah. And he found it. And when he was that, he was glowing all the time. Even when he was suffering, he was glowing because yeah. he found his medium. He found what was real. That was, and that was it, you know? And so it's Where's true. Where's your dad? Where's your dad live? In Northern California. Where? In a place called Happy Valley. It's about three and a half hours north of San Francisco. <laughs> nice next to Lake, <laughs> Next to Mount Shasta, yeah. Nice. Yeah, little, yeah, yeah. Beautiful area. The last, the last question is, come on. What are... Um, Give us three or four books or five books that you think every single person should read or you can recommend something you've recently read besides your books. Look, um, I would say The Alchemist, Paulo Coelho. Everyone should read that it. That book's wonderful. It's, it's beautiful, right? Um, I love books like that. 
The Little Prince by Antonio de San Exupery, uh, Illusions by Richard Bach. Um, these are all like fables. These are all like stories about deeper, deeper about what's really life about, you know, the told in beautiful, simple stories. Right. I, th- those are my favorite kind of, these are the books that stay to stand the test of time, which tells you something. Do you have two stones? What are the stones? I don't, I can't remember the names of the stones in the alchemist. Um, Thurman, Orum I and Thurman. No, I don't. No, I don't. Uh, I always wanted to get two stones, a black and a white one. I believe in carrying them in my pocket to see, to, uh, see what happens. But, um, there's, yeah, have I remember you read, reading oh, it, thinking that, but I think there it's all in the mind. I just, I just trust myself in the mind. Have you read the greatest salesman in the world? Long time ago long time ago yeah i would say like yeah that's a you know there was like the there was like the greatest statements in the world the secrets of babylon there's all these ones that were written in the 1800s 1900s that are just pretty much better than anything you'll read now as far as life lessons go in fact most of modern self-help is just copying you know what was written back then i see you know because i've been reading a lot of that stuff and you're like oh people just literally just putting different words but Whereas at that time they were, no one had written about that before. They were, it was coming from them, so it was pure. I always look at what is pure, you know, where it's coming from. If it is, then I want to learn from it. Speaking of pure, I just saw two people post about idea sex without giving credit to James the other day. And oh yeah, like, yeah, that's James's. Yeah, said, yeah, yeah. And I, so maybe I don't know if it's now so common that phrase idea sex that he put out there that now people just think that it's a it's a normal thing and now it's built into the vocabulary of creative people. But who knows? And that's a that's a that's a you know in some ways uh, you know congratulations to him he he created that word. I'm thinking what other books? So there's the Alchem uh, the Alchemist. Um, that if I have any, anyone hasn't read it, read it. It will you'll be better for it. It's a beautiful story too. It's just a beautiful story. Um, and such life lessons and, uh, woven in there. The Alchemist, Illusions by Richard Bach, um, Antonio Sonic Super, Little Prince. So those are the three I can think of. Like old school, all written before any of us were born. No, actually, The Alchemist was written like 20 years ago or something. Here's, the, here's something beautiful. So I'm such a big fan of The Alchemist. My publisher is the same publisher The Alchemist. So when I went to their offices for the first meeting, right there, you get out of the elevator, it's a giant poster of The Alchemist. I thought, here it is. After all these years, the book affected me so much is being published by the same people. My lo- had I to be. Uh, yeah, randomness awesome? or had to be? Which way, which way do you take this? Do you take it, it had to be, or that's the randomness? I don't believe in randomness, honestly. Really? Yeah, I've come to believe in life that no, okay. How deep do you want me to go here? Just now, I'm be now as deep a as you. Line. No, no. Okay. This I, is theory. I'm line, but thinking I really this com- conversation. What is the what is the the probability that you and I are sitting here in this moment having this conversation? I mean, mathematically, it just has to be. I mean, once you start connecting pieces, the podcast, but go back to get to this point. I mean, it's got to be here's, a lot here's of numbers. What I'll tell you, More than that, I think. Um, what I learned by doing the love yourself practice where I really started making myself feel that consistently inside my inside shifted, I noticed life started to shift. It's almost like there's a, there's a connection we have to life itself that we're just wired in. We just wired in and it's our inside that, that affects it. And one can go back and look at their life at, and I've done that in, in a very um, honest way with myself, which is not easy. Right. And I look at my thoughts, my feelings, my behavior, what I was carrying at a certain part of my life of what, what came to me versus what you, what didn't. And it's always a very, it's like a hundred percent correlation. 
So what I've learned is that that's why I like even love yourself is is a mental training to love yourself. My, what I've learned is I need to always be cons- working my inside if I want my outside. Uh, look, uh, if, I want, if I want my outside to be the way I want life to work for me, okay? Um, and look, I'm not the first one to come up with this. If you look at every religion, you can look at Christianity, you can look at any religion in the world or any tribal culture, they all talk about how the mystics, right? They were the Christian mystics. They were the, they were the in fact, Jesus was a, bit, was a mystic. He went to the desert 40 days, 40 nights, you know, and, and Judaism. You, didn't, you know, the average Jew, didn't, Jew living in the Sea of Galilee wasn't doing that, right? Like you have to go and they, the ones who go and face themselves completely, like the Buddhist mystics. I've actually met some of them. I've actually read some of the texts from the American Christian mystics, right? Um, they all say the same thing. There's all, the whole thing is God. The whole thing is consciousness. Everything is God. We're an expression of that. So now if you're an expression of that, it means if you're an expression of God, that means your expression of yourself is part of the whole thing and affects the whole thing, right? Now we get into a lot of theory. I can't prove this. But what I can prove to myself in my life is that how I'm inside affects my outside. And look, I, and that, this is hard because it makes me take responsibility for every single thing in my life. I cannot blame anyone for my good or my bad. It's all up to me about how I'm working on my inside. It's also liberating because I'm taking full responsibility for everything in my life. Even the luck? Everything. The luck and the bad luck, the almost dying, you name it. Everything I'm responsible for. That's my wow. personal philosophy. Response. No, that's it's interesting. I never thought about someone, I mean, responsible for, yeah, that's, I mean, it's a tough task to handle, but responsible for your own luck too. That's a nice way to look at it. It kind of takes the responsibility of waiting for something to happen to you and making your own luck. You know, like Bruce Lee said, to hell with circumstances. I make, you know, I make my own opportunities. Yeah. And I've met people like that. The ones who feel that, the ones I've met like that in, in my life do end up doing very well with that kind of attitude. You could say it's because they take more action. Maybe, maybe, but a lot of, a lot of people take action. And it doesn't work out that way. Right. So, and also it's, it's a personal philosophy I'm living. I, and you know what it does? Another good thing is I can't think of myself as a victim to anything in life, to anyone, no matter what has happened. I am the, I am the cause. There was a, now, most of it subconsciously. I, didn't, I don't sit around saying, hey, be, treat me like shit. You know, like I don't, <laughs> right, I don't no, think no, consciously, I, right? <laughs> but if I'm walking around treating myself like shit inside my mind, the world's got to reflect that. So it's, so this is something every major religion, every um, like even minor religion has at some point referred to, you know, like, uh, so it's, it's nothing new, but now me being me, the guy who writes a practical book on loving yourself is trying to make it a practical thing for myself in my life. Just literally, I care about the practical work. And look, that's, that's what opened up my eyes to all of this was when I started working on loving myself, like things just started to change things I have no control over. It's just like all of a sudden it's like life starts to start to work for me. Like things were like things just started to happen that I normally I was trying before not succeeding and they just started to like fall into place. The only thing that changed was my inside. And I've done this again and again each time it happens. It's the same. So to the point that like, okay, come on, I'll just start living at 100%, not just in spurts, you know, and which is actually another thing I, sh- I want to I show in the book very clearly is like, look, you start loving yourself. It doesn't end there. doesn't mean you've, you've hit nirvana and life is going to be magic and, and gravy from here on. You have to consistently do it. And look, because I get lazy. And, look, and let me show you what happened when I, one time when I got lazy and I fell apart. 
you know, because life just was, the life was pretty crappy at the time. And it shouldn't have happened. It, I fundamentally wouldn't have happened if I was actually working on my inside at the time. And I think what you say that, I mean, connecting some points is that I'm a super fan of Joseph Campbell and the, you know, the hero of a thousand faces and the, and the whole process. And just, I mean, that guy and his, that's a whole nother level of thinking. And then, but like you said, and connecting to Stephen Pressfield and the artist's journey and the hero's journey is that you pass across the, the threshold, you go through this process, but the tough, and that's like, you know, I love myself, but maybe like you're saying, the toughest part is reconnecting to the actual world as this new person. It's just, okay, now I'm this, now if I'm part of the world, how do I reconnect? No, 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 no. that's myself. not the hard part. That's not the hard no? part. That's you don't easy. think coming That's back easy. is the hard part? No. No. The hard part is continuing that inside, continuing that magic inside, continuing loving yourself, making it a practice every day so you don't get lazy and start taking it for granted. The mind gets lazy, man. The, uh, the mind is, is naturally lazy. It's designed to be that way. It's, it's, it's that way for our survival. It only focuses on certain things, right? So your prefrontal cortex doesn't use yeah. as much energy as... Find fruit, eat it, sugar. That's why we eat so much sugar, so, the, the fats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus what I'm talking about is taking calm, being in conscious, almost conscious control of our thoughts and feelings, which is not easy to do, but it's transformative. Keep in mind, I'm not a therapist. I'm just a guy who works No, on no, no, no. Come on, no. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Your poor dad, when I know listening, might be like, who is this? No, 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 no. <laughs> By the way, I have a lot of respect to your dad for working with veterans, you know, have using his journey to heal, heal others. That's amazing. That's part of what, sometimes what it's about, man. We go through life, we go through stuff, and it could have been hard, but when we can use that to help others, it gives meaning. And it's beautiful. You know, it's absolutely beautiful. Oh, yeah, for sure. I can't wait to see what people say with it, with this conversation. And I hope for sure people buying your book and reading it. And the last other questions, what's the worst piece of advice you hear going around or have you received in your life or the best piece or both? Because sometimes the best advice leads you in the right direction saying that's definitely not the way I'm going. I'm going this way. Or someone tells you can't do something and you say, okay, I'm going to do it anyways. Thank you for that piece of advice or that, that message. I can't remember the last time someone gave me a piece of advice because I usually don't reach out to others for advice. Really? How about if it came, it could be, I mean, it could come from Hemingway, it could come from, it doesn't have to be from someone directly. It could be something you read. I mean, look, Coelho, I mean, as, as cliche as it sounds, ultimately, The Alchemist was about following your heart. That book taught me that in a way that it was, it made it, made it okay. Made it okay. I mean, Gave I mean, we already. Yeah, that book showed me that, look, magic can happen. Beautiful things can happen when you follow your heart. You know, that's what that book did for me. That was beautiful advice given to me by that book. Crappy advice is more like usually like, I think uh, when people just try to prescribe things to others, you know, be a certain way, this or that or whatever, we all have our path. We all have our path and only we truly know what our path is. No one else can, no one else can, for your children, right? They're going to have their paths and it's going to be a challenge as a parent. Right. To like, <laughs> yeah. what's the Every line? Day. Where do you let them go versus like versus what you want for them? Right. But ultimately for them to shine in their life, they have to follow their path for them to shine. I think for us to truly shine the way we should shine, we have to follow our path. Like, look, writing. No one supported me when I was writing all those years. People thought I was crazy. Right. People thought I was wasting my time. What are you doing, correct? You know, you should spend all that time building a company, making lots more money, whatever. I had to do it, 
right? And now people come to me, oh, like, how do we, you know, like, kind of become a writer, all this. I'm like, <laughs> so, but, um, but that was purely like following my heart there. There was no, like, I'm going to make a ton of money or do this for writing books. You don't write books to make money. You, I mean, you, you can, you make, make very good money, but you don't write them for that. As far, there's so many easier ways to make money, you know, and then to write books. So many easier ways to make money than create art. Why does one do it? Because the artist has to. They follow their heart. What's something recently could be last three, two, recently in your concept of time, something that you've learned that has uh, changed you or changed the way you think or the way you see or something that you appreciate? You say, wow, that was a wonderful piece of information that I can hang on to my mental lattice or my structure, mental models that you can really pinpoint and say. I think more and more is recently, recently this, this just, I've been reading a lot of like, mis, like the mystics from different religions and finding the same pattern, same thoughts, the same, they're saying the same exact thing, man. It's funny. It could be from opposite cultures from different thousands of years, years apart. And they're saying the same thing, which is like, this is all, I think Kanye West said it best, actually. No, no, okay? no. <laughs> Kanye West said, this is all God's dream. And that's literally, I think, what this whole thing is. That's what they've all been saying. And Kanye said it, too. <laughs> you know? This is all God's dream. So we're just, we're just, we're just, we're just a piece of um, somebody else's matrix. There is no somebody else. There is just, it's like, if you're a wave in the ocean, if you're a wave in the ocean, are you, what are you? The, when the wave is gone, does that mean you're gone? Did you disappear? Is it somewhere? It's it's just the ocean. It's just the ocean. It's a piece of the. It's we are we are it. We are the expression of God in this dream. That's a nice way to live. Life is an expression of God in this dream. It's all God, and, and God is not a. And it's like not in the traditional classic what you know, old man in the sky, but God is exists in itself consciousness everything i had a, i had a, had an architecture teacher a small guy who looked like yoda an indian guy and he from india and he was um, omar farooq and he said if you could that i think was some i can't remember who had said it but he said if you could look at a leaf of any plant close enough you could see the workings of the universe and for me that was like if you could just go deep enough into the just so deep you would see that everything is the same every there's nothing that is that is not the same as something else. We're all part of the same thing. It's just the illusion that there's a separation is the is the problem. But once you realize yeah, that, yeah, I mean, look, like you said, the movie The Matrix, the first one, nails it. It's a beautiful, you know, allegory to all this, right? Even though there it's like machines versus man. But if anyone hasn't seen it, it's one of the best movies, fundamental in, in storytelling. It's one of the best movies ever made. The second and two, I wouldn't recommend because they just got too much caught in their own ego and. They were given a lot of money because of the success of the first one to just go focus on special effects. But the first one is the, is the ultimate, it's the ultimate hero's journey book, um, a movie. If you read it, it's the classic Joseph Campbell hero's journey. Um, I think often in life, we, we live our own hero's journey. We are the hero of our lives and we're living this journey and we find that job, a job is to find the gifts, the lessons and live them and apply them and be better. It's as simple as that. Well, at least that's what I think. No, no. I'm saying I'm saying as, as, as sorry, come on. No, I said I mean like a smart ass, but I mean it like, no, no, no. like I'm being I'm a, a smart ass. <laughs> oh, no, no. And I'm connecting like your book when you wrote it, you took all this stuff, you got it to its essence, you practice, you do things a hard way, and then finally you find the answer is always in your pocket. 
you know, you have the answers. Oh, you just yeah, have to yeah, go yeah, so yeah. far. Yeah, and yeah, so it's yeah. like you said, yeah. you go, you learn to live, you live life, you come back, you help others, you do it, you live your own journey and, and you know, and you find the magic and that's it. I mean, so simple in theory, but hey, a lot of us. No, like but me, we're, we're all strong. the heart, you know, it's, we take it very personally because we're the ones living it, right? That's, that's the human experience. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. If you could, um, now that we're not able to travel, the wonderful Tim Ferriss, um, yeah, billboard comment. This one would be if you could send a WhatsApp message to every single person at this moment. WhatsApp, because in the United, no one, in, no one outside of the United States uses what's I mean, uses iMessage. But let's say any type of message, iMessage, WhatsApp. If you could send a message, a little tweet or anything to everybody, all their phones are going to vibrate at the same second. What message would you send to everybody? You are God's dream. Because that one you can carry and carry and unpack for the rest of your life. You can. That is true. That is true. Right? That is a. Uh huh. But then again, I'm then I would have this. You're God's dream. Then you know Kanye West. <laughs> you know, art is where you find the truth, man. Art is where you find real truth. And I never thought about messages like that too. Just that if uh, the power of a message might be in the ability to unpack it. If it's hard to unpack it, then it just keeps. It's like the the old like the old like the stories we've been talking about. You can unpack them forever. There's no way to find out what the. It just keeps becoming more real and more real and it just extends forever, right? Yeah, and by the way, also, when I use the word God, you can be an atheist and still buy into what I'm saying. It doesn't have to be the classic uh, thing of God, right? It could just be, uh, just exist in itself. Uh, but yeah. Of course, I love it because my yeah. wife uh, believes a lot and I and I'm, I think probably like, if you go in the Dawkins terms, about an 83% atheist. Mm -hmm. But um, I still, but I don't have, I love it. It's, it's you know, I love the I, all that stuff. The Bible thinks that I mean, it's one of the best stories that's ever existed, right? I mean, just there's. Yeah, I wonder, and I stuff. use this line. I I use this line in "Love Yourself," where kind of facetiously, but uh, I said, you know, there are no atheists in foxholes under heavy bombardment. Uh -huh. When you, not foxholes, that you'll find atheists in foxholes, but when the bombs are landing, and and, and when a bomb, a real artillery shell lands to you in real life, the human mind is not designed for it. The, what it does, just every part of you goes into fear and survival. So I'd be curious to see how many people are still atheists in that moment if some part of them doesn't reach out. Some part of them just instinctively doesn't reach out to bigger than them, right? And let me tell you something interesting, Kamal, is that I just watched, re-watched uh, Saving Private Ryan. Mm -hmm. And I was watching, I said, and I said, holy shit, I said, and I started thinking, I said, would I still think the way I do after that? I said, there's no way. And then the other day I was out running and I felt this wonderful connection to what was going on with life, my breathing. And I was, and I felt myself reaching out to something else. And I said, okay, hmm. there's something in me that is going beyond what I think is rational yeah. and what is science. I said, yeah. so that's why I can't go to the, to the 90 or the farther. It just makes no sense because of how I feel intuition. So you're and exactly honestly, right. There's, there's no way. beautiful about feeling connected to something bigger than us. You know, it's, every, you know, humanity, it's been part of the human journey and it makes us better, you know, when you're feeling proud, part of something bigger. Oh yeah. You know, you know, it also helps with the to be and not to be as well. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to it. Yeah. It right? helps a lot. It helps a lot. Yeah. Last, okay, last rapid fire questions. Favorite color. I don't really have one. I love the rainbow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, favorite sound. A sound of a woman I love. Well, but you know that has that sound has changed time and times. <laughs> but what is is, is, the, is it the sound of the? But is it the sound of the um, 
the warmth of the voice of the connection? Is it the sound of... Or like a whisper in the ear, but, but then you know you love this person, that person loves you. Something, nice. something that alone is a reason to exist, to experience that. Least favorite sound? No. <laughs> I don't like the word no. Okay. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> But me and every two-year-old, yeah, like no, 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 no. And that goes to what's your what's your favorite word? Uh, yes. <laughs> and your least favorite word? Really, no. Yeah, I'm like a kid that way. But really, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. All right. And the, what's the most interesting? Well, quick question: What's the most interesting, least favorite, and most favorite word you guess? Some of you guess have said. You know what's 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 funny, Kamal, is that I this I think these are questions that um the the actor studio I can't remember the name of the um oh the James Clinton. Clinton he was great right he was great he does he does these questions and when you hear them you think okay that doesn't mean anything and I tried them once and the answers I got were these wonderful laughs and yeah and it's great like they're my favorite part is this is when you hear someone just think. They're the best, and they're so simple. So I'm going to share something with you that I haven't shared with anyone before. Um, so I'm going to be doing I'm going to be doing a podcast, and there's only one question in common. I'm going to ask every guest at the end, and this is the question, and I'll tell you my answer, which I haven't told anyone. Okay. Okay. Um, so the question is, if you could go back to half your life ago, that's a, that's so a good it way applies to, to everybody. It applies to everybody, right? It doesn't matter where you're in life, half your life ago, and give yourself one piece of advice. That would be a filter, you know, to get from then till now that, you know, would actually, re- that's the piece of advice you want to, it can't be like buy Apple stock, buy Netscape right, right. and IPOs. It can't uh-huh. be like, you know, that, what would it be? It's easy. What's yours? It's going to be, it's going to be okay. That's a good one, right? We all have our own personal one. It tells you so much, right? About how we look back at ourselves. Like what's the one thing we could have told ourselves? You know what mine would have been? Don't suffer. Mm. Fuck. But Yeah. But for me, that's don't. That's gonna be okay. It's like right, you're gonna go right. through Interesting, shit. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Don't so suffer. That's my, looking back, that's the, that's all the regret. That's the regret. It's not what happened, but the suffering that I did around it. Don't suffer. And that's when then we go into Buddhism. The whole thing is just. I mean, that's when I started. When I met my wife, I was sleeping on the floor. I had got rid of all my books, and all I had was four bikes because I didn't want any any weight to this material world. I didn't want anything that, that I felt an attachment to that was unnecessary. So I had slept on the floor for like 15 years because I didn't want suffering. Not having a couch was suffering. Worrying about having and taking something and moving was suffering. So I got rid of, I had like three shirts, two pairs of pants, and like that was it. And it was, there was no suffering. It made things easy. And now you have a family. Now I've got all kinds of crap that makes me suffer. Well, you have attachment. You know, you can have Which attachment still not suffer. No, you can have attachment still not suffer. But that's the hard, that's the work. I mean, you don't have, look, I've been around monks. You don't have to be a monk to live life. In fact, it's easy to be that way when you're a monk. The work is actually living life and having children and having, and letting go, right? That's the work, man. It's, it's easy yeah, for it all is. of us. If you just go live in a cave, we can work on our mind, it'd be easier. The work is having children who are saying no to you, <laughs> you know? and, and, and not, have the attachment to and let go of the attachment to that you just gave me Love. a wonderful gift Kamalis because I got in a fight with my wife this morning a little one about how it's so hard to be creative and produce when you have kids now in quarantine because they're not mm-hmm. studying they're not gone 
and she took it the wrong way. Like I was not enjoying the children. And I was like, I can't explain it to you. It's like, there's just, I have a need to do stuff. And now that need is so much, it's, I'm suffering, but it's an unnecessary suffering. So I'm putting it, maybe possibly I'm putting it on myself. Yeah. Cause I think in Buddhism, you know, the Buddha said the nature of uh, life is suffering. I think the actual real translation of nature is dissat- of the mind is dissatisfaction. We're, we're not satisfied in the moment. You know, we're always like, I wish it was this way, that way, whatever, versus just being satisfied in the moment. But now we're getting into like now, like, okay. No, no, there's, and there's, right? there's a wonderful koan. It says that, that people think when they're eating, they're thinking about walking. When they're walking, they're thinking about running. Oh, when they're yeah. running, they're thinking about eating. It's like yeah. do one, enjoy it, separate the space, which is then you get into the Japanese. There's a wonderful world called ma, which for me is the is the one the the best word. As other things, the favorite word for me is ma. It's ma is a Japanese word that means the space in between two moments. It's the sound between uh-huh. sound or the silence between Beautiful. two sounds. It's the shadow when you walk from a doorway to another space. It's the moment in the play where the person turns before you hear you before you feel something. It's that tension where nothing happens. And it's like, that is, you know, that's the beauty of everything. It's where nothing happens. It's the space of silence. And, but we're always living one part ahead. We're never, and look, we'll never beat it. We'll never beat it. You know, we're human beings. We're, you know, we're, we're, it's a dream, but we still, it's a very persistent one, you know, and, and we'll never beat it. It's a matter of just how the work we do in ourselves, it makes it better. It makes it, makes it an easier experience. So I'm sorry, I hijacked your thing by with my question, uh, but I wanted, hijack to anything. No, I wanted to share I wanted to share that. I felt like I w- I'd like to share that with whoever's listening uh, for some reason. Um, and I would actually recommend anyone who's listening, ask yourself that question and it will give you, it'll tell you so much about yourself. But then here's a follow-up question. Why not give it to yourself now? Give that piece of advice and live that for the rest of your life, for the next half of your life. I'll see if I can do it for a week. No, man. The next half of your life, Felicia Dallas. Uh-huh. Told to my twenty. Oh, I would need that advice. That would be the moment to. No, I would use that four years earlier. But oh right. man, that would now, save me a now, lot. I I understand, but but now live it. Because what's the point of having that understanding if you're not going to apply it? Right. It's like right, that, um, Mark Twain said: the person who can't read, the person who doesn't read, is the same as the person who can't read. It's a good one. It's a good one. It's the same as the yeah. person who like you have this piece of information. If you don't use it, you're the same as before it even right. existed. So I expect you to apply it then. I expect you to live it. It's a good filter, man. Right? It is. I got a lot of wonderful stuff to go home and share with my wife and my kids. And the last, <laughs> last question, uh-huh. and the last one, Kamal, if you could have a whiskey or a coffee or a tea with anybody from any time, now, present, past, who would you have it with? What would you want to talk about and where would you have the conversation? Probably Einstein. On the nature of reality. Where would you have the conversation? conversation? On nature of reality, probably somewhere in Switzerland having coffee. Cold day, warm day, inside, outside? Outside in a cafe, you know, eating and having coffee and talking about the nature of just listening to Einstein. Hey, dude, like Einstein between you and I, what do you think this is all about? (laughs) And I just... And then just (laughs) let it roll. Just let it roll, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Kamal, truthfully, thank you for this uh, experience. Thanks for this a memory that I'm going to have in my memory palace forever that I'm going to be able to, here, to relive. It was, it, was, it was really wonderful. To, to, isn't the no, city here in Colombia, Colombia um, in the Futura? Me gusta mucho uh, the salsa and la gente de Colombia. I, I, I mean, I had 
I only have such fond memories of the food and the dancing and the people and the conversations. It's a beautiful, beautiful country, beautiful people. And the, the, for the people listening, that that's what changed my life. Is when I came to Colombia, I realized that the people in the United States live to work, and the people here work to live. They enjoy their free time. They enjoy their family. Yeah. They enjoy their meals, and it's just another way to live your life when you're like. This is, I, I work so I can be here with these people in this moment, laugh, and just be free for a few moments in this space. So, yeah. thanks for this moment yeah. with you. Come on. Awesome. Thank you, my friend. Hey everybody, are you still listening? Mom, dad, I hope you're still listening here. If you are still here at this point in the podcast, you are an amazing, beautiful sexy and intelligent gracious just just a pure pure wonderful human being thank you so much for being here to this point please like i said look for kamal ravakant at um in amazon and twitter send him a message tell him thank you if you like this podcast and you want more podcasts in english send me a message at at robbie j fry R-O-B-B-I-E-J-F-R-Y-E and we'll make sure I get more podcasts with people like Kamal to diversify the podcast. And once again, you can always make more money, not more time. Thanks so much for listening. I hope your family and you are doing well. Have a beautiful day, morning, night, afternoon. Until next episode. Ciao!